This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Consumer price index for the month of June. We're expecting a headline number to be in the neighborhood of up three tenths, but I'm going to be paying most attention to the core at up four tenths, our last look, and I'll tell you why in a moment uh, as we wait for these numbers to populate. And here we go. If you look at the headline, up two tenths of one percent, up two tenths of one percent, and that, of course, uh, comps to the up one-tenth in the rearview mirror. It's a one-tenth lighter than expectations. Now, CPI core, X Food and Energy, up two-tenths, up two-tenths. And that, that means it's not the fourth consecutive month up four-tenths. And it also means it's not the seventh month in a row of four-tenths or higher. And that was a record going all the way back. The last time we had something along those lines was from uh, October of 89 to April of 90, uh, where it was nine in a row. So we stopped that as well, and up two-tenths uh, on the core is the lowest level going all the way back to, bum, ba, da, bum, to February, February of 21, when it was only up one-tenth. And if we look at year-over-year, year, up 3%. That's Rick Santelli. He was on CNBC this morning. Uh, inflation up overall uh, 3% year-over-year up 4.8% excluding food and energy. Now that's notable. Gas has come down uh, 26.5%. Uh, declined in prices. Used cars now down uh, 5.2%. Cost of meat down two-tenths of a percent. Cost of airfare down 18.9%. However, however, rent is up 8.3% year over year eating out still up 7.7 percent year over year car maintenance costs up 12.7 percent year over year car insurance costs up 16.9 percent year over year the rent price this is the problem with the people who do not feel it the people who uh, are concerned about the economy rent is still too high for too many people uh, people just aren't feeling good. Wages are up 4.4% the past year. Inflation is up 3%. Uh, that's good. Uh, when, you, when you essentially take the cost of wages over the last year and now the cost of inflation over the last year, wages are starting to top uh, inflation. However, 
It only started in May, two-tenths of a percent. People still aren't feeling great. Keep in mind, a core inflation is what the Federal Reserve watches, and it's still up 4.8%. Up two-tenths of a percent since August. This means there probably will be another rate increase. Probably will be another rate increase. But this is the thing that I don't know that the left appreciates. While wages are now rising faster than inflation for the first time, shelter costs, rent, mortgages, the cost of living in a house with a roof over your head account for 70% of inflation in June of 2023, 70% of inflation. Now, look, I I don't want to repeat, and I've spent a lot of time on uh, the people who feel left behind in the economy. We're not a nation of opportunity, but of oligopoly these days. The Democrats don't get it. Uh, In the first hour, if you weren't here for it, uh, pointing out that the Democrats want you to feel bad, that you're not grateful for Joe Biden and his great economic success, the guy who provoked inflation, that, that somehow you should be grateful to him. The problem here is that while the news, the, the, the data on the surface looks good, you're not feeling it. Back in 1992, way back when I was a kid, George H.W. Bush had been the most popular president in American history after George Washington. People, people's minds get blown by that. When you, when you point that out. It is estimated, just given the votes and whatnot, when George Washington became president of the United States the first and the second time, that upwards of 80, 90% of Americans at the time in the new nation were all on board with George Washington. No president was as popular as George Washington, even Uh, Franklin Roosevelt or Harry Truman or Dwight Eisenhower after World War II. No president was as popular as George Washington, and that makes sense. And then along came George H.W. Bush. He gave Americans their first military victory since Vietnam. The psychological impact of Vietnam goes away. George H.W. Bush, I'm not making this up. You can look it up for yourself. George H.W. Bush, political polling didn't exist in the same way it did when George Washington was president, but we can easily extrapolate that George H.W. Bush was the second most popular president in American history. Some polls had his popularity at 90%. The polling averages of the time had him between 80 and 85% support for George H.W. Bush. In fact, in 1990, George H.W. Bush had run a ruthless campaign against Republicans. Yes, George H.W. Bush ran a ruthless campaign against Republicans. You see, what happened was you had uh, in 1989, George H.W. Bush broke his word from Read My Lips, No New Taxes. He agreed with the Democrats to raise taxes, and Republicans campaigned against him. In 1990, the Republicans who won re-election, it was a brutal year for the GOP. And the Republicans who won re-election 
are the Republicans who campaigned against George H.W. Bush and the tax cuts. Newt Gingrich advised the Republicans at the time, all hands on deck running against him. Ed Rollins was the executive director of the National Republican Congressional Committee. Ed Rollins told Republicans, you run against George H.W. Bush, you condemn the tax increases. He encouraged Republicans in Congress to vote against the tax increases. The tax increases passed with Democratic support. And then George H.W. Bush became the most popular president in American history since George Washington and used his popularity to have Ed Rollins fired from the NRCC and demanded uh, that Republicans get in line and start praising him or he wouldn't campaign with them. And a lot of conservatives refused still to get on board George H.W. Bush. People forget, though, how popular the man was. He was exceedingly popular, Democrats and Republicans alike. He was so popular, in fact, the Democrats were putting all of their um, eggs in Mario Cuomo's basket. Mario Cuomo was the governor of New York. You know his sons, one on TV, one also became governor, left in scandal. Mario Cuomo was the guy the Democrats chose. He was going to be the man to beat George H.W. Bush. And Mario Cuomo tapped out. He looked at George H.W. Bush's popularity, his fundraising, the number of Democrats, more than a a majority of self-described Democrats in the end of 1990, into 91 after the Gulf War, majority of self-described Democrats said they were backing George H.W. Bush for re-election. Most popular president since George Washington. He had been Ronald Reagan's vice president. He had been the CIA director. He had been the ambassador to China. He had been the chairman of the Republican Party. He was a World War II hero. Most popular president since George Washington gave us our first real military victory since Vietnam, broke the psychology of the Vietnam era, and then he lost. He lost. Mario Cuomo wouldn't run because of his popularity, went to his grave, I suspect, regretting it. Some dude from Arkansas no one had ever heard of, the trailer park governor, Bill Clinton, he was brave enough. He said, you know what, I'll do it. Bill Clinton got into the race. Republicans in 1992, all of the data showed the recession was over. That's what cost George H.W. Bush's election. It's the economy, stupid, Democrats said. James Carville, Paul Begala, very famously, it's it's the economy, stupid. Well, the economy was doing well. The economy had turned the corner. Yes, after the Gulf War, Due to the tax increases, the nation hit the skids. The Reagan economic recovery became George H.W. Bush's recession. But you get into February, March of 1992, and the economy has turned the corner. Growth is up. Jobs are up. Incomes are up. Inflation is down. The economy is roaring back to life. But nobody felt it. And they didn't feel it because while it may be a good time for them, their neighbor still hadn't found a new job. Or their neighbor had found a new job, but their kid was still struggling. So objectively on paper, the economy was good. But in the lived experience of Americans, the economy was still bad. And Republicans 
made a fatal mistake. Republicans ran a campaign of, why are you so ungrateful? Look at this war hero. The economy has recovered. He's done everything right. You know, to their credit, the Democrats, led by Bill Clinton, with his campaign of James Carville, George Stephanopoulos, Paul Begala, their campaign was, gosh darn it, George H.W. Bush is a really likable old man and an American war hero, but he's just lived in Washington so long he's out of touch with the American people. He's been in Washington so long he's lost touch with Heartland voters. He's lost touch. He doesn't realize that even though the numbers are good, people's lives are still miserable. He doesn't realize that even though the Washington, D.C. statisticians say everything is well, that out in the heartland, things aren't well. We, we know the guy's a good guy. We, we know he's a patriot, but we also know he's been there so long he's out of touch. He can't walk with you where you are. I'm Bill Clinton, and I'm from Arkansas, and I'm surrounded by people who are suffering under George H.W. Bush's economy, and he's telling us the economy's good, and none of the people I encounter feel it, and he won. Now, I realize there are partisans out there for George W. Bush who still say, but H. Ross Perot, if it wasn't for Perot, Clinton would have lost, except there's real actual polling of Ross Perot voters, of people who voted for Ross Perot. It's called the election poll. People showed up in 1992 and they voted for Ross Perot. And the people who voted for Perot were asked, if it wasn't for Perot, who would you vote for? Overwhelmingly, Bill Clinton overwhelmingly they would have voted for Bill Clinton. There are they're old people now. They're all in their like 70s and 80s now. They say, hey, Ross Perot cost the election. If it wasn't for Perot, Bush would have won. That's really not true. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because George H.W. Bush had no answer to either Perot on the NAFTA issue or Clinton on the economy issue, and he lost. Now, of course, the Democrats are worried about this no-labels ticket, third-party ticket. This could hurt Joe Biden. What they should worry about, what Democrats should worry about, is that the Democrats are headed towards where George H.W. Bush was in 1992. Old man who's been there too long, who's a nice guy, except he can't really say that about Biden, but he's, he's lost touch with the heartland. He's telling us everything is good when it's not. Y'all, rent and the cost of living under a roof accounts for 70% of inflationary pressure in this country. The Democrats can say, well, gas prices are down and food prices are down, but your rent's still too damn high. That's a real vulnerability, and it's one any Republican, any Republican, yes, even that one, can exploit against the Democrats, and they know it, which is why they're starting to freak out about Joe Biden's age and Joe Biden's functions and even Joe Biden's economy while still doing what George H.W. Bush's team did in 92, lecturing you that it's really good out there, and why aren't you grateful? And that's not going to fly. It never works. Phone lines are open, as The Voice says, 877-973-7425. I have mentioned a couple of times now on the program, Sound of Freedom. It's the movie about, uh, what is his name, Ballard, Tim Ballard, who rescued a number of people from sex slavery and human trafficking. Uh, the movie outperformed Indiana Jones on Independence Day. Now, Indiana Jones is going to make more money. Um, it, it's on more screens, bigger box office draw and the like. But on, on Independence Day, Sound of Freedom uh, made more money. It hasn't been reviewed by any 
major media outlet. The New York Times, Los Angeles Times, USA Today, the Washington Post. None of them have reviewed this movie. Now, this, of course, happens to conservative books. They, they never get reviewed. Conservative books are ignored by the mainstream media. Mark Levin's got a new book coming out. You know, Target almost didn't put it in. He had to raise a fuss about it for Target to back down. It's not going to get covered uh, by the New York Times. Probably not going to be on the list no matter how well it sells. The New York Times will ignore it. Uh, it's just notable that this movie, instead, they've disparaged it. They've claimed it's part of the QAnon conspiracy. They've lied about it. Uh, they cannot be truthful about what this movie's about. It's based on a true story, by the way. It's a true story. They've chosen to either disparage it or ignore it. It, it. In my mind, what this shows more and more is how we really are increasingly becoming two countries. Uh, the difference between the two countries is that you and I really rarely care about anything the left does. But the left cares dramatically about us. And the left tries to impose itself on us. Look at the trend transitioning and gender nonsense. And I, I mean, literally, the left gets upset if you want to take gay porn out of an elementary school library. Uh, they want it in there. They want the gay porn in, in the elementary school library. Um, we generally don't care about what they do other than when they try to force their world to us. And yet they care so greatly. They've got to disparage things that people on the right could like. They got to they gotta go after anything people on the right like. And, you know, the downside for this is you do have industries, like, for example, NASCAR. Uh, there are examples of NASCAR, like uh, playing too much with progressive, trying to placate progressive sensibilities. You don't need to do that. You can ignore them. They're not the dominant opinion leaders. At least know who your customers are. Uh, everyone should. Poor old Bud Light found that out too late. Oh, well. Americans for Prosperity is on the side of conservatives. They want to support free markets and free people. They believe limited government is the best pathway to freedom because if we limit government, then uh, government's not powerful enough for when the opposite side takes over, they can't use it and weaponize it against us because they don't have the powers. We got rid of them. You can be a part of Americans for Prosperity and support free markets and free people by going to americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Americansforprosperity.org slash Eric, my name. They've got over 4 million people who've signed up to be their activists, and they learn how to be really good activists, trench warriors for free markets and free people. They give you the tools and the information you need to be smarter than the other people in your neighborhood and to educate them and give them the information they need to convert them to our side. Go to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric today. americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Sign up with them. They got 36 state chapters. They're growing in the other states. They want you on their side to advance free markets and free people across the country. Hello there. Welcome across the nation. 877-973-7425 is the number. As always, don't forget, if you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, uh, text Eric to 33777. Uh, so you you text the number 33777, you put in the word Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get the link to the podcast, the show notes, the live stream, following me on social media. It'll give you all the links to Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and the like. Now, I got to play this audio. This is the president abroad at NATO. And so today, uh, the uh, the long-term commitments we're making are are backed up by the notion that in the meantime, we're going to provide security to Ukraine uh, for its needs and against any aggression that may occur. To 
Today, the members of the G7 are launching a joint declaration of support for Ukraine to make it clear that our support will last long into the future. This starts a process by which each of our nations and any other nation who wishes to participate will negotiate long-term bilateral security commitments with and to Ukraine. We're going to help Ukraine build a strong, capable defense across land, air, and sea, and from which we'll force uh, the will be a force of stability in the region and deter against any and all threats. I want to thank my fellow G7 leaders and President Zelensky for their work to make this happen. I think it's a powerful statement, a powerful statement of our commitment to Ukraine as it defends its freedom today and as it rebuilds the future. For, and we're going to be there as long as that takes. Uh, there was also this. Soon NATO will be the 32nd freestanding, have free, 30 free, 32 freestanding <laughs> members. At war with this teleprompter there. <laughs> all right. Uh, l- let me lay my cards on the table for all of you. Um, so everybody knows where I stand on the issue. And by and large, I think people do. I don't have a problem with us helping Ukraine, and I understand there is an isolation, a strain out there on the left and the right growing that we shouldn't be involved with Ukraine, we shouldn't help Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. I don't have a problem with us helping Ukraine. There is also, sadly, this this strain uh, manifested in parts of the right that is more pro-Russia, pro-Putin, distrustful of Ukraine, uh, thinking Ukraine is somehow bad. Uh, a lot of this is derived from the Trump impeachment matter over Ukraine, a distrust there. But the the actual undisputed facts are that Vladimir Putin and the Russians invaded uh, Ukraine. Back in the 1990s, the United States and Russia agreed to support and defend Ukraine territorial integrity against anyone in exchange for Ukraine giving up their nuclear arsenal to Russia. Uh, we have kept our end of the deal. The Russians have not. The Russians are not our friends. They are our enemies. The Soviets, Soviet Union may not exist anymore, but uh, Vladimir Putin was a KGB agent of the Soviets. He is not a good person. He does not have our interests at heart. And if Russia is allowed to take over Ukraine, it will not stop there. It will be emboldened for more. And eventually, the United States will have to deal with it. For all of you out there saying, but I don't want my children to die in Ukraine, not a single one of your kids is in Ukraine, idiots. I'm sorry. That one just aggravates me to no end. I get this all the time. I don't want my son in the army to die in Ukraine. He's not in Ukraine, you idiot. We're fighting. We're funding the Ukrainians and letting the Ukrainians fight so that your kid does not have to die. Now, you can disagree with funding Ukraine. You can say it's none of our business. We should be isolationist. But my view is the correct view. And whether you believe me or not, it's true that eventually, if Russia is allowed to take over Ukraine, they will start going after our direct allies in NATO. They want Poland. They want the Baltic Republic's back. 
Eventually, we will have to stand up to them. Do we wish them to get entrenched in Ukraine and other places before we deal with them? Or do we want to fund the Ukrainians so the Ukrainians can kill them so your son that you're convinced is going to die in Ukraine doesn't actually die in Ukraine? I, I, yo, I, I'm at a loss for the people who do this, and I get this on a daily basis. My son shouldn't have to die in Ukraine for uh, Vladimir Zelensky. Your son's not dying in Ukraine. I mean, unless he decided he wanted to go be a freedom fighter in Ukraine, your son is not there, and he's not there because we're sending the Ukrainians the weapons to kill him. And by the way, we send the Ukrainians money, and then they return the money to us and buy our weapons with loans backed by the European Union. We become the arsenal of democracy again, and our bankers are doing great because the Ukrainians are taking a lot of the money we send them, buying our weapons. The European Union is backing the loans of the Ukrainians, so if the Ukrainians can't pay us back, Europe pays us back. It's a sweetheart deal for those of you in the South where they make a lot of the weapons in this country. I think it's a good thing. I realize, again, and I'm, I'm not talking about you. If you're hypersensitive, spare me the hate mail and the rage calls. If you just think we should leave it all alone and, and, and have nothing to do with it because it's not our business, not our problem, I disagree with you, but it's a valid opinion. But if you're one of those people out there saying, oh, but I don't want my kid to die in Ukraine. I don't know if you know this or not, but your child may be up to no good, but he's probably not up to no good in Ukraine. What I disagree with are the growing number of people who say Ukraine should be in NATO. What? Seriously? Lindsey Graham, David French, and others are out saying, of course, Ukraine should be admitted to NATO. No, Ukraine should not be admitted to NATO, at least not right now. Maybe in the future. I'm not opposed to admitting Ukraine in the future. But the idea that we should be admitting Ukraine into NATO when they are actively at war with Russia, do you know what Article 5 is? NATO has a provision in its charter that if you attack one American, or I'm sorry, if you attack one member of NATO, you attack all members of NATO. The last time it was deployed was in... 9-11, when all of NATO rallied to defend the borders of the United States under that terrorist attack. You bring Ukraine into NATO, suddenly we're at war with Russia by the design of the organization. That's a bad idea. I'm totally fine with supporting Ukraine. I'm fine with them supporting themselves. I'm fine with them killing the Russians so we don't have to kill the Russians. But I am not okay bringing them into NATO in the middle of a war. Now, I know there are some of you out there who probably think, well, I mean, we, we've got special forces in Ukraine. We, we do have people on the east side or, of, or the west of Ukraine who are training them, but most of that training is happening in Poland, not Ukraine, teaching them how to fly F-16s. It's actually the Poles that are doing it. We've had people go into Ukraine, military advisors go into Ukraine, uh, but has your kid died? Where are the American soldiers dying in Ukraine? They're, they're not. They're not. Uh, to the extent that we have advisors in Ukraine teaching them how to use the Patriot missile batteries, teaching them how to use I'm fine with that. We're not actively on the front lines killing the Russians. We're also, our, our soldiers and sailors aren't dying over there. 
this hysteria about, oh, my kids are dying in Ukraine. No, your child's not dying in Ukraine. But they will if we admit them to NATO. I, I, I don't understand this desire. Listen, I understand the desire to help the Ukrainians. I want to help the Ukrainians. I don't want to help the Ukrainians with a blank check. I don't think we need to throw everything at them and bankrupt us. We do have a weapons supply problem in this country we need to be mindful of. We do need to investigate how the Pentagon suddenly has these billion-dollar er- rounding errors that allow them to defend Ukraine when I suspect it's them trying to get around having to go back to Congress, and they're lying to Congress, and Congress needs to investigate. I don't want a blank check defense of Ukraine. I do want to support Ukraine. I do think killing the Russians with Ukrainians doing it is a good thing, given what the Russians are otherwise going to do. But bringing them into NATO is kind of insane at this moment. We're bringing in Sweden and Finland, my people. The Turks have allowed in Sweden. NATO has been able to get in as well. Or NATO. (laughs) Finland's been able to get into NATO as well. The Finns are experts at killing Russian bad guys. I don't want us, I don't want your kids, I don't want my kids to have to go to war with Russia, let alone China. I'm happy to help the Ukrainians defend their territory. At some point, though, they're going to have to realize they're going to have to they're going to have to cut a deal with the Russians. They're not going to get back Ukraine. They're not going to get back Crimea. I am a student of history. You know, Crimea was taken by the Russian Empire from the Ottomans. Crimea has long been uh, the embodiment of Russia. Crimea has been a source of pride for the Russians. It went to Ukraine. Vladimir Putin took it back. The Ukrainians have failed to take it back from Russia. I don't think they're going to. And at some point, Zelensky is going to have to realize that if you want the war to stop, and he does, that... uh, probably going to have to give up Crimea, take back the other territory the Russians have taken in the last year, but hands off Crimea. That makes sense to me, given the historic importance of Crimea to Russia, the Russian Empire, and to the Soviets. And it's not like the Russians can operate with with landlocked territory not surrounded by Russia. They've got that little um, outlet north of Poland that has no no part of Russia around it. They, they can do this. They can operate this way. I'm okay with Russia keeping Crimea. And the more the Ukrainians insist that they can't even keep Crimea, the less likely I am to think the Ukrainians are the ones being reasonable in this matter. But it's an unreasonable statement to put them in NATO. I'm not opposed in the future. But they got to resolve this war. I'm happy to help them with this war but not if it means we don't have the armaments to defend ourselves or the money. I'm happy to help the Ukrainians take back their homeland. I'm happy to help the Ukrainians, but not a blank check. I'm happy to help the Ukrainians so that our kids don't actually wind up having to fight the Russians when they decide to spill over into Poland and NATO territory. But that also means I don't want us to allow Ukraine into NATO, and then cause that to precipitate a large-scale event. To those who think it's a good thing to bring Ukraine into NATO right now, you need to bear the burden of explaining how that won't exacerbate the war. And right now, from Lindsey Graham to all the other talking heads on TV, not a single one of them has been able to explain how this won't expand the war. We need to contain it. We need to stop the Russians. We need to bring it to an end. Bring Ukraine into NATO, you're just expanding the war. That's a dumb idea. 
And I'm glad all the Republicans have very loudly rebuked Lindsey Graham. Uh, and I'm just shocked at some of the people who've come out on television and supported the idea. It's a dumb idea for now. Get the war over with before you do it. Move on and don't take seriously anybody who says we should admit Ukraine to NATO at this moment. What you should take seriously as well is the Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the three-pack. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm eliminates odors. I need one for my office. So I got this new furniture in my office, and it's great, uh, but it's got a smell to it like it's been in a, in a sweaty warehouse being made. It's gorgeous furniture, but I got to odorize it, and I'm going to have to bring my Eden Pure Thunderstorm to the office. They really do work. They eliminate odors, and you can get three of them for less than $200 at EdenPureDeals.com. EdenPureDeals.com. You put in the discount code ERIC, my first name, E-R-I-C-K. You get one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for the basement, one for your car, your RV, or your travel bag. I keep mine in my travel bag. I can hold it in my hand, and it just works. It eliminates odors, smoke odors, litter box odors, pet odors, um, body odors, frying odors, uh, Aunt Marge, who has that certain smell that you don't like. It eliminates that odor, too. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. Go get three of them for less than $200 today. Well, I got to give some credit. You know, so what was it? Um, Robert Taft, who was the uh, Republican leader in the Senate for years, uh, he is often, uh, he's attributed with the saying that there are two parties in Washington, the stupid party and the evil party. Every once in a while, the stupid party and the evil party get together and they do something that is both stupid and evil, and the press heralds it as a bipartisan accomplishment. The stupid party is often the Republican Party, which under the last few years has dropped the ball on early voting and absentee voting and has insisted that everyone should show up on Election Day. Even though the rules allow early voting, prominent members of the party, including Donald Trump, has insisted, um, screw early voting, everybody show up on Election Day. Problem is then it's pouring down rain and you don't want to show up on Election Day. So you don't vote and the Democrats win. So Glenn Youngkin, Ron DeSantis, uh, Brian Kemp, a number of other Republican governors are now championing early voting projects around the nation, getting people registered, getting people on absentee voting lists, getting them to request their absentee ballots, uh, engaged in ballot harvesting in states where it is legal, playing the game the Democrats have played. Now, there are some voices on the GOP that said, no, 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 you can't do this. You can't do this. we got to show up on election day. Bad idea. You believe the Democrats are cheating and stealing the elections, so why not play the same game the Democrats are playing with early voting and absentee balloting? Kudos to Glenn Youngkin for doing this. So there is a state uh, Senate race in Virginia. The control of the state Senate will be decided this year. And the Democrats in Virginia have gone far, far left. I mean, they got some wacko, wackadoo candidates in areas of that state where even in far-left progressive areas, you're going to be hard-pressed for some of these people to win. The Republicans are now doing a massive early voting campaign. They're trying to get people registered. They're trying to get them on the absentee voter list now to get their absentee ballots in. Uh, and to be able to collect the absentee ballots, Glenn Youngkin poured a lot of money into making it happen good for him. It's what they need to do to take the state Senate in Virginia. There's still a lot of dissatisfaction with Joe Biden. There's a lot of dissatisfaction with the Democrats in Virginia. This is a way for the GOP to get ahead, and every Republican everywhere should be paying attention to this. This is one thing with, you know, like the polling for the uh, President Trump right now, huge, huge 
uh, surge in support for him, but he's been doing some weird things in, for example, uh, Iowa, attacking, for example, Kim Reynolds, the very popular governor of Iowa. Uh, Bob Vanderplatz runs a huge uh, family coalition in Iowa. I know Bob. He's a good guy. Every one of the Republican candidates is going to uh, Vanderplatz meeting where the crowd will be there to hear them be interviewed by Tucker Carlson. Donald Trump's not going. Nikki Haley called him out on Fox this morning. I mean, when he feels attacked or he feels threatened, um, he's incredibly thin-skinned and he starts to lash out. That's why, you know, I've always told him, he can tell you, I've always said, you know, you're your own worst enemy. Don't do this. But he has what done that. Tell Kim you, Reynolds what is would he tell you literally, when you told him that? We had a great working relationship because he knew I told him the truth. I always told him the truth because I wanted him and America to do well. And I've always been a truth teller. I'm going to continue to tell hard truths to people, whether they want to hear it or not, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. Kim Reynolds is the best governor in the country. You can look at her records. You can see it for itself. The idea that he attacked her because he thinks that she favors one candidate or not is silly. And at the end of the day, Kim is smarter than that. She's going to go and she's going to lead her state. She She's going to go and do whatever she feels is right for Iowa and the country. And I respect that. And I trust her. Um, you know, you don't want to attack Kim Reynolds. She is deeply popular. It's a bad idea. Also, she wants to do early voting. Go for it.